Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. This is the second part of a two-part series on cryptocurrency. In our most recent episode with Roger Veer, episode 159, we talked about Bitcoin, how he became one of the early investors in it, his belief in the potential of cryptocurrency as a decentralizing and disintermediating force on the world, and how this will translate into a future in which voluntarism and a world of less restrictive government control can take hold. A lot of really good conversation there and a lot of good conversation in today's episode with Joseph Lubin. Joseph is one of the co-founders of the Ethereum project, a purported cryptocurrency 2.0, building off the back of the example set by Bitcoin. He's also the founder of an incubator called Consensus that incubates companies, apps, and platforms that will utilize Ethereum in a number of different arenas. This is not the full course. If you want to understand Ethereum, learn more about it. We have some resources linked to in the show notes, and you can also reach out to me directly to find resources where you can get more information. But this is a great introduction. Joe talks about how it got started, some of his thought process about what it will be capable of, and some of the realities of creating a new cryptocurrency and the timelines and education associated with that. This was a very fun conversation to have and one I've been particularly excited about sharing with you. So I hope that you'll enjoy and pay close attention to my conversation with Joseph Lubin. So, Joe, thank you so much for coming on Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Aaron. The big topic of discussion is going to be Ethereum. Uh, in the, the last episode, we talked to Roger Veer about Bitcoin. And it's now, you know, over the last couple of years, this concept of blockchain technology and what that can do for finance has, has started to be unpacked. But I'm curious in... in the research for this and just hearing different analysis of Ethereum, the idea seems to be that it's taking this blockchain technology that was introduced with Bitcoin and through a variety of improvements, trying to make it faster and more secure to kind of continue this trend of disintermediation through the, through the blockchain technology. So I'd love it if we could just kind of start off talking a little bit about why Ethereum might potentially be better than Bitcoin or the other cryptocurrencies that are out there? What what makes Ethereum different or unique? Yeah, so that, you've got a pretty good take on it. Essentially, I wouldn't say Ethereum is better, um, but it's certainly better for certain kinds of use cases. Um, in 2008, something or someone, some group or someone named Satoshi Nakamoto released a white paper and then Jan 3rd, uh, 2009 software was made available and the Bitcoin blockchain came to life. It gained popularity pretty slowly, uh, but after a couple of years, it, uh, it certainly had a, a core group of people excited about it. Bitcoin was really released as an experiment in monetary theory, and over the last eight years, roughly, it's uh, it's grown in popularity. It's really captured a lot of uh, mind share in the world. But again, it was it was uh, intended to be 
a blockchain-based platform with a single use case or a small set of use cases, uh, essentially around transmission and storage of a value token, the Bitcoin. Now, around 2012, lots of different groups, myself included, I guess, uh, uh, started getting interested in putting different kinds of use cases on this amazing decentralizing technology that uh, that Bitcoin pioneered. And so many different approaches were tried, colored coins, different kinds of meta protocols, uh, separate entire blockchain systems. And an individual named Vitalik Buterin um, was in college at the time. He found that he was working 30 hours a week on Bitcoin and uh, probably made sense for him to drop out at least for a while and, and pursue this. So he did exactly that. He traveled the world, worked on different projects, uh, different of these Bitcoin 2.0 or cryptocurrency 2.0 projects. And uh, and uh, he wrote some of the white papers in that uh, 2.0 space. After some time, he realized that all these smart people were not making rapid progress and um, they weren't making rapid progress uh, because they were pursuing the problem in an unscalable fashion. They were essentially trying to add one new feature at a time, uh, either at the protocol level or at the client level. And uh, really to do that, you had to be a, a highly specialized programmer. Uh, so Vitalik's insight uh, was to, instead of adding a feature at a time, uh, to create a featureless blockchain system. And, and by that, I mean at every single node of uh, a peer-to-peer network of a blockchain system, put a computationally complete virtual machine or, or a general purpose computer. And uh, so instead of adding one new feature, say for a bet or for a crowd sale, can enable the millions of software engineers around the world who can build um, web pages or web, web applications or mobile applications to do exactly what they're used to doing, identify their own problems, uh, form their own solutions. And, and so Vitalik wrote a white paper de- describing the Ethereum platform. Uh, it is a platform for decentralized applications, general decentralized applications. And as I said earlier, uh, average software developers can build fully sophisticated decentralized applications within the full security of the protocol. So uh, when I read that paper, uh, basically met Vitalik uh, Jan 1, 2014, uh, before the Ethereum project was defined, uh, eventually uh, he asked me to be part of it. And uh, six people... And I formed the Ethereum project around Vitalik and uh, delivered Ethereum about 14, 15 months ago now. And it's been running beautifully since then. Certainly had some hiccups, but uh, the hiccups get solved very quickly. And uh, currently tens of thousands of software developers are building software on it, either for their career or learning. And many thousands of companies are are currently building on it. And one of the... Um, organizations building for Ethereum is your organization Consensus, which, and and you can add more nuance to this, but is essentially uh, helping to incubate and create companies that will compete to serve this new ecosystem and to operate in this new ecosystem. An example of that being uh, Singular DTV, a kind of decentralized Netflix that's built on Ethereum. But I'm curious to just unpack a little bit more about how you've thought about kind of fostering these companies and building them. And also if you can inject a little bit of your previous experience 
that enabled you to kind of go all in and and buy into the system and understand it and be poised to take advantage of it? Yes. Yeah, so about two years ago, I started uh, ramping down my activities at the Ethereum Foundation and ramping up a company called Consensus. At the time, there really I was very confident that the Ethereum team would uh, deliver a viable decentralized application platform, but there wasn't really anybody in the space that was uh, uh, looking to build at that time decentralized applications for the platform. It took a little longer than I expected it to take between my ramping up consensus and having uh, Ethereum version 1 released, but that gave us uh, a bunch of time to build things. Essentially, we formed consensus before there was an ecosystem, before there was even a, uh, a stable version one release. And so that made consensus into a very oddly shaped company. Uh, so it wasn't like we could define an idea, um, just some sort of web application, and uh, make use of a whole ecosystem of tools and components and just focus on our idea. Uh, we really had to set out to build everything, if even if we're only interested in building one thing. So we ended up defining a handful of projects um, different wallet systems, some cold storage hot wallet systems that are uh, in place in exchanges right now. We built a rich identity system and a closely associated reputation system. We built registry systems, token issuance and management systems. We built a couple different decentralized token exchanges and we're working on a third more sophisticated one. We built a governance tool called Boardroom and crowdfunding platform and music content registration platform and lending platform and prediction markets platform. Uh, so we're a lot of different projects. We're currently pretty much all under one roof. Uh, there, we do have two portfolio companies. Uh, one is EtherCamp that uh, is doing building some great tools for the Ethereum ecosystem. The other started as a project within Consensus called BlockApps, and they're also an infrastructure system. They uh, built the Haskell impl implementation of Ethereum. They built a lot of developer tools on top of that, and uh, so they've spun out. They've closed around, and they currently have in excess of 130 uh, licensing customers. So. All these projects that I'm describing have the potential to spin out as independent companies. They may end up staying within consensus as sort of uh, quasi-independent spokes. Uh, we like to call them spokes in uh, essentially a hub and spoke system. And we've uh, we've formed organically. We we built a lot of these projects that we defined, designed, executed, and and have released in some cases or will release. So those are, I would say, pure consensus projects. And there's some other projects that uh, have come to us and we've made those into consensus projects and they go through our, our spoke readiness index process to try to productize them. Uh, consensus basically does three things. It does product. Half the company focuses on that. Um, by the 10% of the company, maybe a bit more, focuses on infrastructure tools. So we've built lots of developer tools uh, for the Ethereum ecosystem. We built a uh, high transaction throughput backend, which sees currently around 30 million transactions per day. Um, and we've built tools like MetaMask to enable app decentralized applications to be run within browsers. The other roughly half of the company is 
focused on enterprise consulting. So about 18 months ago, we started getting really busy helping companies with blockchain strategy and building proofs of concept and building actual production systems for uh, organizations in niches as varied as uh, insurance, other kinds of financial services, music industry, energy industry, healthcare, supply chain management. One of the things that I've read about, and, and I think you can provide a lot of insight here, is that I've heard about like a large financial institution wanting to create their own blockchain and create their own, it seems by my interpretation, like their own kind of cryptocurrency. To me, that seems to be so counterintuitive to the fundamental concept of a a shared ledger that anyone can access and having this organization trying to control that seems like it would almost be it, it just seems counterintuitive to me so can you elaborate a little on why they'd want to do that if that's something that you see as viable or if you advise them to do or is it something that is just like part of the process of organizations like these coming to understand the reality of how this technology works and kind of a, a bump in the road. Yeah, it's, it's very natural. Certainly Bitcoin uh, had a political agenda. Ethereum much less so. Ethereum was always designed to be a decentralized application platform. So certainly some people on the project had an agenda, but uh, it's really a pragmatic project. This is an amazing new technology. It's a technology in which, because all the actors in the system have access to the data and access to the business logic that operates on the data, and in that sort of context that I like to call vertical computing or vertical meaning of or pertaining to the truth, in that sort of context, you have a situation in which no minority actor can improperly manipulate the data or the business logic. Uh, so it's... it's uh, trust-minimized computing or, or the ability to build a system that different actors with different agendas can cooperate on and trust in a situation in which a rogue administrator or a corrupt CFO or even a hacker um, have no way of, of improperly manipulating uh, unless they somehow gain a majority on the system. So whether it's a public blockchain context or a private permission context, the principles work extremely well. If, uh, if you're a company, you are essentially a set of cooperating and competing entities or departments all feeding from the same budget. And that's really in microcosm um, an economy. And so there, there's no reason to believe why um, blockchain wouldn't work very well within a company, private permission blockchain, uh, as well as uh, on a planet, let's say. So that said, uh, our view, we really are um, largely focused on the public blockchain and, and we do uh, share the agenda very strongly of decentralization of global systems and disintermediation where there is waste uh, or, or too much value being extracted in certain situations. But this technology is all about adoption, and uh, our mission is to speak to anybody and everybody and help them make use of this new technology. So the internet took about 10 years from uh, when it was, or sorry, the, the World Wide Web took about 10 years from when it was first proposed in 1990 to when it really got traction. And we figure that uh, public or consumer blockchain usage will probably follow a roughly similar S adoption curve. And we're focusing now at Consensus and other groups are focusing on figuring out ways to 
steadily increase consumer adoption, and it's going quite well, I would say. But still, it's it's a massive rearchitecting of ways of doing things and systems. Uh, so it's it's certainly going to take time for consumers around the world to really embrace this in large numbers. In the meantime, enterprise or or governments or NGOs are really getting excited about this stuff because it represents efficiencies, ways of disrupting current processes that they use. And so we're very happy to enable those kinds of organizations to wrap their head around this technology, take some stepping stones in the right direction, and uh, eventually I expect to see that um, the current ways of doing things uh, will be quite disrupted within 10, 15 years. Yeah, with with such with any change, but obviously such a massive change, part of the obstacle is just momentum and you can't really change anything overnight. What are some of the biggest obstacles that you and the folks at Consensus and the other Ethereum developers are working on that need to be overcome in order to achieve this kind of mainstream, both adoption and understanding that you referenced with the creation of the World Wide Web? Sure. So we don't really see obstacles. Our only frustration is the finite nature of time. We have so much to do and, and, uh, it, it's going very, very fast, objectively, but subjectively, it, uh, it feels like, uh, well, maybe both subjectively and objectively, but we, we wish we could go faster. Essentially, you could say uh, there are regulatory hurdles, but I don't really see it that way. I see us engaging in discussions with regulators and big companies and helping them understand the technology and, and start to implement it. And, and so it, it is true that in uh, the legacy world, mostly the Western world, regulatory issues might encourage a prudent adoption of this new technology, uh, which could take a lot of discussion. But at the same time, all around the world, this blockchain is a global context, public blockchain is a global context, and we are building things like identity solutions that enable anybody in the world to download some software and create their own user-centric identity or self-sovereign identity and effectively bootstrap their identity into the, uh, the global economy. There's reputation is intimately associated with that. So somebody in a developing country can create his or her own identity, have their friends lodge reputational attestations on that identity, perhaps uh, lending some of their reputation. You can also go to identity providers, official identity providers like banks and governments and have attestations lodged against your identity in that situation. And this is persistent portable reputation on the blockchain. Blockchain, for the first time ever, is a shared permissionless global database on which uh, we can start thinking about global identity. And if you give people all over the world control of the aspects of identity, uh, enable them to perhaps go to a lending platform, uh, one of which we're building, and get a microloan. If you give these people control of different value tokens like Ether, like Bitcoin, like many other tokens that are being created on Ethereum, you're really giving these people a chance to do things like take out a microloan, start a little business, grow your little business, and and really become enfranchised in in the global economy. Something that was just too difficult to do. So the legacy world will chug along and see internal disruptions, but all around the legacy world, 
this decentralizing phenomenon is happening and uh, I think it's going to creep up and cause some perhaps uh, faster disruption than the regulators that we speak to think will happen. Well, it's certainly exciting. And I think you've captured the imagination of folks who are listening and learning of some of these concepts for the first time, Joe. Uh, This has been fantastic. We're going to start wrapping up. Before we tell people how to connect with you and before you issue a personal challenge, is there anything else I just didn't give you a chance to say today that you were hoping to? No, it's great. I can say an infinite number of things. So (laughs) it's it's cool. I appreciate the uh, opportunity. Well, we appreciate you sharing your time and wisdom with us today. If people want to learn more about you, Consensus or Ethereum, uh, what digital coordinates would you like us to give them so they can learn more? So you can read about Ethereum at uh, ethereum.org, O-R-G, and it's E-T-H-E-R-E-U-M, not I-U-M. You can read about Consensus at www.consensus and that's S-Y-S dot net. We have a newsletter. We have a very active comms team. We're constantly putting out uh, really interesting uh, information uh, in my opinion. Uh, you can potentially get get me on, uh, on Twitter as well. It's uh, uh, Ethereum Joseph. Cool. Well, we'll be, we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes, goingdeepatherian.com slash podcast. We'll make sure that you have all the links. And I highly recommend the newsletter as well. I've been reading that for the last couple of weeks here and definitely learning a lot. Um, Thank you. Joe, this has been great. Uh, before we let you go, we want to give you the mic one final time, though, to issue a challenge to the listeners. Yeah, so the world has been built using top-down command and control systems that worked incredibly well. It works well in a context in which communication is slow and expensive, but we've wrapped the world in communication networks and we've enabled people, nearly half of whom could be malicious, to come to decisions within 10 minutes on Bitcoin and 14 seconds on Ethereum and soon to be three or four seconds. So this new organizing principle of decentralization is happening and it's gonna come at you really quickly uh, if you want to learn about it from a technical perspective check out our newsletter at consensus start writing smart contracts on uh, ethereum if you want to learn about it from a philosophical or business perspective, uh, same thing. Check out the Ethereum website, check out the Consensus website, and uh, let us know. Send us a message. Cool. Fantastic challenge, and one that I hope a lot of the listeners will take along with me. We just went deep with Joe Lubin. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. Thank you. Hey, hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, I would really appreciate it if you found one person, be it a friend, a colleague, a business associate, that you think should learn about Ethereum and share this episode with them. You can make an email introduction or send it on a tweet. And I'd love it if you'd copy me. My Twitter account is at AaronWatson59 and my email is goingdeeparon at gmail.com. Either of those would be great, but that share is how this show grows. So would really appreciate that and would really appreciate it if you just continue to tune into Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Mm-hmm.